It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Spencer, nice to finally see you. If you're a Orlando Magic Daily Reader, you, you probably know Spencer Ostrovsky, our guest today on Locked on Magic. Spencer, if you had a favorite training camp drill, what would it be and why is it not suicides? Uh, I, I just like shooting threes, honestly. I, I've grown up <laughs> in a different generation. So just kind of like going around the, the, you know, the court and uh, all around the three-point line and sh- taking shots up and having somebody get the rebound for you, it's perfect for me. And that is that is by far the best part about training camp is other people rebound for you. And other people will also play the intro for you too. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed locked on magic. It is Thursday, September 30th. This is the episode for Friday, October 1st, 2021. If you're joining us live on YouTube for this special episode of Locked On Magic, we welcome you. Um, if you're if you're not, that's okay. You're probably listening to it on your feed. We thank you for making us your first listen every single day. My name is Philip Rossenreich. I'm the site expert and editor over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com. Of course, follow me on Twitter at PhilipRR underscore OMD. Uh, and today we are joined by Orlando Magic Daily writer, Spencer Ostrovsky, Spencer the Wiz. Spencer, how are you doing? Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to a new season. Uh, this is really exciting. I mean, it's crazy that we're having basketball seasons within two years. And obviously for the Orlando Magic, it's a whole new look for their franchise. Honestly, something just to be really excited about. You know, I don't want to go too far into it, but, you know, they, they had their their whole run for a long time and it was good. They made the playoffs. But now we're looking like a lot more hopeful, or I would say I say we as if I own the team or I'm a part of it. But, uh, yeah, the Magic have a new look, obviously, and it's really cool. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what, like I've been down at practice all week this week. The vibes at the Amway Center are are much different than they've been in a very, very long time now. I think most of us would agree that the outlook, at least in terms of wins and losses, are probably a little bit um, lower than, than, than we might expect. But, um, if, if this thing comes together the way I think we can, I, I do, I do tend to agree. There's a lot of really good vibes and, and a lot of really good people to, to get excited about before we dive in. I, I brought you in Spencer. You've done some great work for us on RolandoMagicDaily.com uh, with playbooks and looking at, at what to expect from the teams. We're going to talk a little bit more about that coming up here. Um, in just a moment. But before we do that, I do want to remind everyone, um, if you're watching on YouTube, you can leave comments in the chat section. We will be taking your, your comments and questions, uh, answering them as best we can and discussing them here on the show. I am planning on doing more live YouTube stuff um, now that we have that available to us. Um, I do plan on doing that, including maybe some pregame stuff. Stay tuned Stay tuned for some news on that as well. We're going to try and really exploit um, the ability of the YouTube page. But if you aren't already subscribed to YouTube, please do so already. And you can always check out the other great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network. We're searching for every download podcast or on YouTube for Locked On and the team you're looking for. Uh, Spencer, uh, you've done some really great work on OrlandoMagicDaily.com, focused on 
how the Magic can use the various players um, that they have. And, and I want to start with um, the post that you did uh, a little bit earlier in the offseason about the guards. And it's really been a big point of discussion uh, among uh, people, among the Magic, among Magic people, um, what the Magic have in in these guard in these guards, and really the options they have with these guards. Um, just uh, just to kind of start us off, summarize what you saw a little bit in the in those guards. Really looking specifically at Cole Anthony and R.J. Hampton toward the end of last season. Well, you had the highest you know offensive tandem duo of the Orlando Magic last year, including all the guys before Aaron Gordon, Vucevic, any of those two, which is you know really exciting. And those two just really clicked well together. You know, I talked about it in my article where. You know, whoever gets the rebound, they're not looking, okay, am I going to take the ball up this time? Are you going to do it? It's, I got the rebound, so let's go and get running. And they were able to catch a lot of defenses off guard. And I think, you know, RJ plays such a great complimentary role to whoever, you know, he's going along. I don't think he's like a lead guard necessarily. I don't think he'll ever be like the starting one or someone he would want to be the starting one. But uh, he knows how to push the ball forward. He knows how to get in fast break. And obviously Cole Anthony, you know, he does that too. Uh, defensively, you know, I think there's definitely a lot to work on, but they are active and they're young too. It's so hard to be good in the NBA on defense, you know, from start, you know, Davian Mitchell might be one of the very few players to do that, but those are specialty guys and those are special type players. And I think Orlando, as long as they can focus on what they do so well offensively, especially with those two, they'll have a very successful season. Yeah. And I think it's worth noting too, that like Cole Anthony is one of the best rebounding guards in, you know, I wouldn't say maybe not the one of the best yet, but, but he projects, you know, if his rookie year is any indication, he projects as someone that's going to be able to get the, get, get rebounds and take the ball up himself. I mean, yes, the pass is faster, but if you have guards who are getting it on, on the glass or able to get rebounds themselves, that enables them to, to switch courts and switch transition switching to transition mode very, very quickly. RJ Hampton's obviously got great size, great length to, to, to be a potentially a strong defender, but also um, someone who can grab rebounds and kind of rip it and go. Uh, and Jalen Suggs, I mean, I think we saw this in Summer League too, where he's another one of those guys that can just grab the ball and go. And, and honestly, like Markel Fultz is a big dude too. Um, if he's willing to mix it up and get get inside, he can also be someone that, that kind of takes the ball and go. And, you know, I think a lot of us are expecting this Magic team to, play at a much faster tempo. Um, you know, Jamal Mosley has kind of said a lot, um, you know, his goal for the team is to play with pace, space in the past. And a lot of us assume pace means getting up the court quickly, but uh, you know, there's certainly coaches can, can dispute what pace actually means and what pace actually means for their teams. Um, but I, I do think that there's a point there that having multiple ball handlers on the floor gives the team the ability to get up the court quicker, get into their sets quicker, and, and to play at a faster pace and get more transition points, which is certainly something that I think a lot of people expect this team is going to be trying to do. Yeah, and here's the thing. You know, they were, like you said, they weren't very big on the fast break. They also had the worst team shooting field goal percentage last year. They need to make it easier on themselves, and especially when you're a young team, you don't want to be living in the half court so much. Maybe as your team develops and you get more comfortable there, yeah, and everybody has to play in the half court eventually. But, you know, for a team that has struggled shooting, especially from the outside, getting something on, in transition, maybe, you know, 14 points on the fast break per game, that would be huge for them and getting them a couple more wins. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, obviously you have to kind of get points wherever you can. Um, you know, this is a, this is a young athletic group. I mean, I think, you know, you're, you always play the style of your players and, and, you know, say, you know, again, say what you want, say whether, you know, the magic should have played this way or not. You know, Nikola Vucevic is not fast. He's not going to get and He's not going to get free throw line to free throw line pretty quickly. He's, he's got, if you're going to use him in fast breaks, you're using him as a trailer. Um, you know, he's not running the floor rim to rim like you see a lot of these centers like Dwight Howard used to here in Orlando as well. 
Um, you know, you got Evan Fournier and, and, you know, like people know I was, I, I defended Evan Fournier a lot, but a big criticism of Evan Fournier is he tend to be a little bit of a ball stopper. He, he tend to, to wait for things to happen. Whereas, you know, it really sounds like the way that, that Jamal Mosley wants his team to play is attacking always on the attack. Um, and, and I'm curious what you think, you know, is that kind of the mindset that this magic team needs to have if, if they want to be successful? Yeah, I mean, here's the thing, and I you said something earlier that I can't help but agree with so much, and that it's not about this style of play is the best style of basketball. You know, when the Warriors had their run, everybody thought, oh, here it is. Here's the big thing. We all have to make three-pointers. we got to shoot from the outside. But some we all got to do the death lineups. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like, who has Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and Kevin Durant on their team? Nobody. So no one's going to be able to shoot like that. It is about it maximizing your talent. And I really do think being one of the faster teams in the NBA is going to be, you know, what makes them stand out, what makes them different, uh, different. especially when you think about, uh, you know, some of the best teams in the league, you know, they have these like big established stars and running up the court. Like that's, that might be where it's at the youth movement for them to kind of get these guys on their heels. And when we look at Brooklyn, obviously, you know, I don't think Orlando is going to be taking them down anytime soon, but they definitely want to live in the, in, you know, in the half court. So, you know, getting them like in that position that, you know, the 76ers, Joel Embiid, he's a bigger center, and they're definitely going to be playing him there. Orlando has Mo Bamba, so they're going to be able to run past them too. So it's that kind of competitive advantage that I think they need to focus on. And I think Jamal Mosley certainly can get him, you know, in that kind of place. Yeah, and I mean, that's that's a really that's a really key thing is, is finding your competitive advantage, finding the thing that uh, that that gives you a leg up on your competition. Um, you know, I think we're still discovering a lot of things about this Magic team. Uh, there's, you know, no doubt about that. Um, you know, we, we, it's such a young group. It's such a young, young team that, that a lot of it is unmolded clay. What factor do you think, you know, again, talking more about just having these multiple ball handlers, what factor does that have in player development? Like, you know, I think one of the things we saw in summer league was Cole Anthony struggled a little bit off the ball. You know, there's, I think more of a focus of putting Jalen Suggs in that point guard role. But RJ Hampton also playing really off the ball for the first time in his life, probably as, as more of a two or three with under Steve Clifford. And then again, at summer league, um, what factor does having multiple ball handlers have for these guys development as, as, as well-rounded players? Well, that's really the biggest question of the season. That is the number one question of the season. You got to see what happens when they'll Carter and Mo Bamba, they're kind of fighting for that starting position. So that's interesting, but you have four and actually five with Gary Harris. So, I don't know what's going to happen. I wish I could tell you it's all going to be great, but these are ball dominant guys. I mean, I think Cole Anthony will certainly have to come off the bench, not because I think he's just not a starting level player. It's just his play style. You know, when you can get scoring like that off the bench, it's just rare. Like it's the Jordan Clarkson role, the Lou Williams. He's going to kind of be there. And, you know, I think they may experiment with having him, having him in the starting lineup, but I think that's where he's going to be best. You know, Jalen Suggs, he, you know, he only had two games in the summer league, so it's so hard to judge. And obviously it's a very different style of basketball in the summer league where they wanted to get him as many shots as possible. And he only played two, but he made a few off ball shots. He'll need to do that. But I think really more than anything, they need to focus on Jalen Suggs. I know they gave up a lot of assets, you know, to acquire some of these other pieces and they paid Markel Fultz quite a lot of money, but look, they drafted this kid really high in the draft. And that's what they need to center their franchise on, whatever he's more comfortable. And then you figure out the ancillary pieces around, you know, and also in the reality of just playing basketball, having a lot of ball handlers isn't the worst thing in the world. You know, whoever has the ball can run the offense and I, I, not every team can do that. So obviously we saw RJ Hampton and Cole Anthony play well. So if they come off the bench, you know, where does that leave Mark Hill Fultz? Would he be able to play, you know, with Jalen Suggs? We'll just have to find out. Yeah. I mean, obviously there's, there, there are still 
uh, a lot of questions to answer about this team. You know, we've we've heard you know Jamal Mosley talk um, a lot about um, talk a lot about his vision for this team, and I think a lot of us are still kind of figuring out what the Jamal Mosley way is. Summerlee gave us a little bit of a hint, but I don't think we're really going to know what this team is about off at, you know, on either end of the floor. We'll talk more about the defense in our next segment here um, until we see them play preseason games. Um, you know, and you know, again, the, it sounds like the two magic home preseason games uh, next week, not, not next week, but the week after um, are going to be on Valley sports, Florida. So we will get a little bit of a taste, but um, we'll have two games before that to get, to get some sense of what they're trying to do. But you know, Mosley's given us this kind of dictum, so to speak, of of what his offense is going to be about. Pace, space, and the pass. I'll ask you this. What does that mean to you? It, I hate to say this, but I think it means nothing. I, <laughs> who knows what it means, really? I mean, I think, I think that the definition of that is going to change all season long. What we see in the preseason, what we see in the first week, I think will be nothing like we see in the middle of, you know, going into the all-star break. Because that's just the nature of it is as a, a new head coach, a young team, he's going to figure it out as it goes. I mean, those words are great. You know, it's like every time UNLV, I live in Vegas, they, they get a new coach. It's like, oh, we're going back to the running. Going rebels. back to running rebels. <laughs> yeah, all of that. It's like, well, I, I doubt that's going to happen. And it's like, and more than anything, I'm glad he's kind of going in that direction because that means he's like, I want to play the way that I want to. So he's giving a lot of big words, but he'll hone in on what that means, you know, as he sees his players on the court. Yeah, I I think they're definitely ideals. I think they're definitely kind of very broad, generic terms. And, you know, like every coach has their coachism. And I think we will come to define those terms um, as we get going here. And, and honestly, like, you know, in training camp, we haven't really heard much about the offense. The focus has really been on the defense. So I want to talk a little bit more about what you're expecting from this team defensively here coming up in a moment. Um, we do have to do some ad reads. And, and so I'm going to knock them out real fast. Uh, um uh, you know, I, I'm really not supposed to, to, to tee them up that way, but um, this podcast, this podcast, this, this video is sponsored by Indeed. Uh, general a, general managers ask questions to find the right players. Like, do they have ice in their veins? When you're hiring, you can use Indeed assessments to help make sure you find candidates with the skills you need. When hiring gets hard, you need Indeed, the job site that makes hiring incredibly simple. Just just attract, interview, and hire. In fact, with Indeed, you can do all of your hiring in one place, even interview. Don't just hope your perfect candidate will find you. Indeed's hiring tools help you cut through the noise to hire faster and smarter. In fact, Indeed Instant Match provides a list of quality candidates whose resumes are on Indeed the moment you post a sponsored job. With Indeed assessments, choose from 135 skills tests to help make sure you're finding applicants from people with the skills you need most. Get started right now with the $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash lock. Get a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash lock. That's Indeed.com slash lock. Offer is valid through the end of today. Oh, that, 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 that's useful, guys. Uh, terms and conditions apply. Today's podcast also brought to you by Built Bar. Uh, Spencer, are you a protein bar person? Actually, I do love protein bars, no doubt. Really? What 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 is it that you look for in a protein bar? Uh, taste, I guess, maybe. <laughs> taste. That's 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 the number one thing I would look for too. Um, you know, I I'm not a protein bar person. Uh, but every time I've had protein bars, I've always found the taste to be just a little bit off. Like it it says it's one thing, but it's not quite. Um, with Built Bar, you are getting great tasting, great tasting. Uh, uh, protein bars with flavors that are exactly what they say on the box. When it says coconut, it's coconut. When it's double chocolate, it tastes like chocolate. When it's cookies and cream, it tastes like cookies and cream. It's not just that these bars taste great. They're also healthy for you too. 
but 17 to 18 grams of protein, calories ranging from 130 to 180. These are snack bars, not meal replacement bars, and only four to five grams of sugar and four to five grams of net carbs. Built Bar is the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team. So all the gold medals were powered by Built Bar. Go to built.com and use promo code LOCK15 and you'll get 15% off your order. Again, use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. Thank you for sitting through the ad reads. I appreciate that as, as always. Um, uh, if you're if you're watching currently on the on the live YouTube here, um, you're free to well to join in with the chat with a question. We'll be taking questions as well throughout the show. Um, this is I want to try and get some more interaction, so we're, we're doing we're doing it doing that part. So um, if you have a question, please put put it in the chat. We'll try and get to it here at the end of the show. Um, but Spencer, through most of training camp, um, we've heard a lot of focus on defense and defensive principles. Um, and and that seems to be really what Jamal Mosley wants his team to be. Um, to be really centered on, to be to be the focus of of his team, um, kind of in the same vein, we've heard him talk. You know, his talking points on defense being uh, tough together and talking. Um, but what do you see as what this team should be defensively? Uh, I, I don't know. It's it's they're really going to have to define themselves, and it really to me it starts with Jalen Suggs. It starts and stops with him. The guy put a lot of effort into those two summer league games. I mean, that basically 360 block he had in that Warriors match. That play was, was insane. Nuts. It's yeah, one of the most, so, I mean, that like it wasn't the Giannis block, but it was, it was in that moment, in that spot. And yes, I know it's summer league, but he, he ate up a two on one fast break as a guard. It's it like at, at that point, I knew like, oh, this, this guy's that not only did he lead the magic back into that game, this guy's for real on both ends of the floor. Yeah, and defense is a lot about skill, of course, but it is energy too, and it's just something I felt like they lacked, and it was easy to understand that, you know, as the season progressed, they're putting in different guys to the starting lineup, they're not used to playing with one another, so besides defensive principles and all those words, again, do sound amazing, it's about like, how what is their starting lineup going to be? Now, the first, you know, month probably is going to be a little disjointed as all these guys come back from injury whenever they do. But, you know, I'm looking for that half point season and from the half point on, what is it going to look like for them? And what is Jonathan Isaac and Jalen Suggs? Because, you know, Jalen Suggs has a few questions as a team defender, but on ball, obviously, he's very pesky, uh, kind of like juxtaposed to Steph Curry, who's more of a risk taker when it comes to playing defensively. And obviously, they've had to mask him throughout his career. Jalen Suggs, I feel like, is someone you can have confidence on when he's playing one-on-one -on -one with the ball. And he actually showed a lot of great signs in the summer league too and, and coming off. And especially when some of the bigger guys were driving down the lane, he's quick enough to kind of go down there and kind of poke at the ball. And that's obviously waste seconds on the shot clock, forces back, or maybe even a steal. So again, I think besides like, okay, they need to um, focus on covering the left side of the court. It's, you know, anything like that specifically, it's like, okay, so who do we want where we want them and how are they going to work together? Especially guys like Mo Bamba, Wendell Carter, very similar defensive stats. And to me, that's the key. And like they need Mo Bamba. I know they traded for Wendell Carter, but they need him more than anything because he's just has that athletic ability enough to be the difference maker. We see what Giannis does, you know, for his for the Milwaukee Bucks. They centered the whole defense around him. I think that's someone you can do with Mo, but he's got to show the team a lot more because obviously they weren't very confident with him, you know, with the trade and at the end of the season. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think there's a lot of really good points in there, and I, I honestly, and I think the biggest one is this: um, the Magic have done a really good job 
collecting guys who are potentially very good defenders. Like we all know, you know, Jonathan Isaac's healthy. He is a potential all defensive team, all defensive team player, potential defensive player of the year type player. Um, Jalen Suggs, I agree with you completely, had some really strong defensive moments throughout summer league. I was really impressed more with his with his defense and his passing more than his scoring uh, in summer league. I think this we know the scoring is going to be there. And I honestly, I think, and we could talk a little bit more about Suggs in our third segment. Um, you know, I think one of the big things for Suggs is him just learning when to get his, when to get others involved, you know, natural things that young, young guards have to learn how to do. Um, but his defense was really on point. Um, you know, Cole Anthony is not a good defender at this point. He would admit that he need he knows he needs to be better. Um, Mo Bamba is obviously a potentially strong defender. Wendell Carter is a potentially strong defender. Um, there's all these guys who, you know, Franz Wagner was drafted essentially as a versatile defender. Chumo Kiki, we all believe he can be like a, a three and D plus type player. Um, there are all these guys that individually are really strong defenders. And, and the trick is going to be creating a defensive system that makes the most of them. Um, you know, they're going to really lean on their versatility. They're, I think they're going to be willing to switch a lot on defense. Um, it, it, it sounds by all accounts that Mosley wants them to play more aggressively. Um, Steve Clifford was a very conservative defensive coach. Um, he, he, his principles were protect the paint, um, you know, protect the paint, rebound the ball well. Uh, and, and limit transition opportunities. And so he wasn't for going for steals. He wasn't for getting players out of position. He was very much about, let's make them beat us. Let's make them shoot over us. And, and it sounds like there's going to be a little bit of a switch uh, in mindset here where the Magic are going to want their guards, want their players to get after guys a little bit more, maybe take a little bit more gambles, increase the pressure, really dictate terms defensively, make it hard to play defensively, where maybe they'll give up some stuff on the back end, but they'll also be kind of kind of in people's faces more more so than than what they were under Steve Clifford. Um is is a pressure style defense the right move for a young team like this? Yeah, and I'm as I'm thinking now, I actually really like the idea of Jalen Suggs playing with RJ Hampton, Jonathan Isaac, and Mo Bamba, because I think you can you got to be careful switching with Suggs as he's a little bit of a smaller type defender. But with Hampton, obviously, he can guard the two and the three. So if you want to switch between those two and then Jonathan Isaac, I don't think has any issues guarding the two. And then as you go down the roster, you know, of course, it gets a little more difficult. I don't think Mo Bamba can go out there and guard Kyrie Irving. But again, I think as long as your two to four can switch, like that's good. And the one thing that I, I don't like about basketball, and I think it's been a trend, is switch everything. Yeah. I think I think you need to have the ability to switch, but sw- switching everything is definitely not the right move. I think you need to focus, like, you need to understand your matchups better, and hopefully Jamal Mosey will be able to do that. But I, having that versatility certainly will help them, and that will be really important for them this season and, you know, moving forward for the next few years, too. Of course. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I am also not a fan of the switching uh, as much as they do in the league currently. Uh, it's not that – it's not. I'm not saying it from a, like, oh, you need to – you know, like the Shaco, they need to – they need to man up and, and guard their man and all that. Uh, you know, I think pick and rolls and, and spacing is just really complex. What I get annoyed with is easy switching where it's just like, Oh, the screens here, I'm just going to pass them off to you. And there's no, there's no, like nothing at the point of attack. There's nothing to, to make the offense kind of stop and think to, to, to put them at a point where they have to, uh, you know, figure out what's going on. There's, there's no confusion when it's just an easy switch then all of a sudden you've got a center isolated on a guy like Harden or, or you know, like we would see Luka this all the time. In that with, LA Clippers series. Exactly. Ex- exactly. You just see these centers that are just on an island and they just clear everything out. And, you know, there's something to taking team, taking players uh, or taking teams out of their, their usual offense. And that disrupts the rhythm of the role players a little bit. Um, but like 
James Harden is too good of a one-on-one player to do that to. He's going to he's gonna score more often than not. He's going to score effe- efficiently and effectively enough that that eliminates it. I'd rather, I'd, I'd always much rather see a hard hedge or trap before you switch. Um, you know, give, create a little bit of doubt, make that player pause a little bit before you, before you get into the rest of the coverage. And, you know, again, it really sounds like the magic's plan is to pressure a lot more, to really depend on that backline defense, to depend on their versatility and their length behind, behind players to really get after guys. Um, you know, Dallas under Mosley was known a little bit for, uh, increasing pressure. They weren't particularly strong defensively. Their numbers weren't good, but they were hard to play against. They tired you out and, and they put themselves in a position to, to to beat you because you were you were just tired from having to break their defense a little bit. Um, and it sounds like that's a little bit of the style the Magic can go on. Um, you know, Mosley's hinted that, you know, he wants guys in passing lanes. He wants them uh, pressuring a lot more. And, and so I think we will see a very distinctly different style of defense from the Magic this year. Yeah, and that. And of course, you know, as you, as you kind of figure out who is on your team, that's just naturally going to happen. It's just going to get better more than anything. Like if they were just to put the same lineup out there, like that's, I think is what's going to be better for them more than uh, maybe completely changing the defensive philosophy. And, um, you know, I think Jamal Mosley will also have to go through a lot of struggles when it comes to this. I think maybe in his mind, he'll say, okay, I want him to do this and that and it didn't work out. So we'll have to see how strict he is and how sensitive he is, like, oh, like, you didn't do this right, so I'm going to put this guy in the starting left. I'm going to put this guy in there. You know, it's, it's a hard balance, but we'll see how he handles it in his first year. Yeah, for sure. Um, let me, let, let, let's get let's get a couple comments in here. We've had a couple comments in the chat. Um, uh, some questions about RJ Hampton's defense. Uh, sk- uh, skizzy skiz, as it says in the, in the, in the chat. Um, I, um, you know, people, people have their fun. Um, you know, says Hampton doesn't play defense at all. It's more than just switching in height. Um, he, he notes here, uh, I watched... Kuminga put RJ in a blender in summer league. He cannot guard bulky twos nor any threes. Gary Harris probably has a field day with RJ Hampton in practice. Um, what are your impressions of, of RJ Hampton's defense at, at this point? I mean, obviously young guys, young guys are always bad defensively. And we could talk about the potential of RJ Hampton at the three, which I think is a really um, interesting, interesting, quite interesting uh, thing too. But what, what is your impressions of RJ Hampton's defense at, at this point and, and where can he get better? Uh, well, Jonathan Kaminga definitely is a mismatch, but the guy's like a, a big three. So, you know, do you want RJ Hampton guarding Kevin Durant? You know, probably not. But, uh, you know, from what I saw, I actually kind of liked it, uh, especially as such a young player. I thought, uh, you know, at least as a team defender, he played individually is where he struggled. But I never thought that he lost his defender or he got so far behind that they were just abusing him. And then, you know, his ability to has kind of long hands. He kind of picked up a lot of balls and when there were some loose ones and he was able to get down the court. That's what I like about him. He might be one of those guys like a little bit more like a Steph Curry. He plays a little bit of a riskier style. But, uh, you know, I think he has the fundamentals there. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree with that. Um, You know, I would honestly say about Kuminga. Um, Kuminga is built much more like a veteran NBA player. Um, He he put Franz Wagner in, in the blender too. Um, like Franz Wagner, I think we think of as more of a traditional four. Kuminga was pushing Wagner around. And actually I came out of that game a little bit more concerned about Wagner's defense than anyone else's. But, you know, I think, I think everyone will get better defensively. It's a summer league game, especially the first summer league game. I'm not going to go crazy over every little thing. Um, I do, I do agree that I would be a little concerned if Hampton's uh, long-term futures at the three, Um, I don't think he is big. He is strong enough yet to guard threes. And so I do think it'll be matchup dependent with him. Um, Like most young players, uh, I think that, 
you know, he's still just got to learn a little, learn a little bit of discipline defensively. I don't think, I don't think you give up on him just because he had a bad summer league or a bad rookie season defensively. I think that it's, it's something that he has to learn. And again, he didn't play for half the season. He was just, he was buried on that bench in Denver um, and not through his fault. It's just, they don't have time to worry about rookies who can't contribute and Hampton's just too raw to play for a championship contending team at this point. Um, I, I saw, I, I, I will be interested to watch how Hampton handles things defensively this year. Um, and whether he continues to improve, there's no reason to think that he wouldn't improve this year, especially with, with more experience. Um, we had another question that came from Eli. So we'll get to that before we, uh, 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 get to our next segment here. Um, he asked if the magic find a very good production for a certain rotation, do they stick with that long-term or will the magic keep trying different lineups to see what they have? I think what Eli is, is sort of trying to get at here, um, a little bit is if the magic finds something that works and, and they surprise some people, do they stick with it? Or is this season purely for experimentation at, at each level? Yeah, I mean, that that's it, right? Like, that's what everyone wants to know is if something doesn't go right and this is how he had it planned, like, this is the starting lineup, do you abandon it immediately? Do you say, like, oh, like, we got to go, you know, like, next guy up, maybe you'll work out. How many games does it last for a player to be in the starting lineup, if, you know, if they're good or bad? But I think that's kind of natural, you know, like, when you see something and, you know, if they're missing shots, but they're, they're in the right places at the right time, like, that's when you stick with it. But if something just doesn't look natural and you're just not liking what you're seeing on the court, then, you know, I think it's a little bit of a different story. So it all depends. Um, and I, you, I like 90% sure you're going to see a lot of different lineups here. Um, but hopefully, you know, again, like I said earlier, like by the halfway point, hopefully they decide like these are the five guys we want. And then the bench rotation, that's when you can start messing around with a lot of stuff. Yeah. I mean, I, I think what, I think what we'll end up seeing, I mean, I think Steve Clifford was right on, on this point uh, about rotations. Um, you can't just go in and throw something against the wall. Um, you, you do need a plan. You do need to have some idea that it'll work and you do need to give it the chance to work. Now I would agree with the criticism that Steve Clifford was sometimes a little too slow to abandon things that clearly were not working. Um, and that it took him maybe a little while to come up with the right combination. But um, you know, I think any coach will tell you once they have a combination that is producing results, they're not going away from it. They're going to exploit it for as much as they can. So if the Magic find a rotation that picks them up four out of five wins and and, and allows them to, to pick up some momentum win wise, um, they're gonna they're gonna use it. They're gonna go for it. They're gonna go with it. Um, I do think we will see more experimenting this year than we probably did under Steve Clifford. We will see those three guard lineups with Hampton at the three. I think we'll see any combination of Suggs and Anthony or Suggs and Fultz out there on the floor together. Uh, I think we're going to see Bamba and Carter sharing the floor together. I think we will see Wendell Carter at the four um, a little bit this year. Um, I think we will see lineups with Chuma and and Isaac out there together, um, obviously. Uh, I, 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 depending on Isaac's health, maybe we might see death lineups with Isaac at the five. Um, I agree with the frustration for under Steve Clifford about not trying some of these funkier lineups and not, you know, not necessarily throwing things against the wall, but giving these, giving these, you know, more unconventional lineups, a little bit of, of a try. Clifford was a much more conservative coach um, and that's served him well to serve the magic. Well, honestly. Um, but I do think that we will see more experimentation, but if something's working at the end of the day, these guys want to win. They're not going to go away from something that wins. We'll get to more of your comments coming up here. Plus talk a little bit more about, uh, about Jalen Suggs to close up the show coming up here in just a moment. But first bet online is back and better than ever. 
All eyes now on the gridiron as teams are back on for another football season. We got the Jaguars playing the Bengals tonight. Um, as always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site interface, even more odds, props, and contests, Bet Online continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device, sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't forget to use our promo code locked on to receive your bonus. From football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh, Spencer, um, you did uh, some really good work too as looking at Jalen Suggs and, and what the Magic can expect from him this year. Um, we've talked a lot about Jalen Suggs throughout the, day, uh, uh, throughout the show and, and how important he is um, to the franchise and to the team moving forward. Um, where specifically do you see him making the biggest impact immediately for this team? Yeah, so I did a video on my Delivering Sports channel. I'm trying to do like a video with my article now. It's kind of like a tandem piece. So I looked at a lot of game tape and I tried to throw out the flashy plays, which are really exciting. The put bat dongs, you know, the, the 360 block, like those are fantastic. But it's about, there's so much more about basketball than just those kind of ESPN top 10 plays. What he needs to focus on for me is his passing. So I don't know, like, you know, he wasn't maybe the greatest team passer in Gonzaga. I don't know if that was the system that they played in. We all know he's one of the most, he's one of the best, you know, fast break guards. He was the best in the draft by far. And that's just going to be elite for them, especially plays rotation wise, RJ Hampton, Cole Anthony. It's going to be great for those two. Um, but he found a lot of guys open, you know, Franz Wagner. They need him. He's going to have to make shots easy for these, for all of his teammates, Jonathan Isaac, you know, RJ Hampton, Cole Anthony, like they had to work really hard to get their buckets last year. And if he can just make their life a little bit easier, especially from the perimeter, that's the greatest thing that he can do for his team year one outside of bringing the energy for me. Yeah. And I think passing is going to be something that's going to be really interesting to watch with Jalen Suggs. I was honestly, the thing that blew me away from Suggs and summer league was his passing. I thought his passing was a lot better than, than advertised. I had heard from uh, I, I had heard from some Gonzaga people and from some college scouts that there was some concern that he tries to force passes a little too much. And I think that's that's a fair criticism. I think, you know, he, he, he uh, obviously at the college level, he probably thinks he's a lot, he was probably a lot better than a lot of people and was able to get away with a lot of things he won't be able to get away with in the NBA. But at the same time, there were several times during summer league where I saw him make cross court passes to the weak side. Um, you know, I think they ran, I think they ran a, a hammer screenplay, which I haven't seen the magic run a ton of. Um, and Suggs just put a cross court pass right in the guy's pocket. And, you know, they missed the shots. Um, there were a lot of missed shots at summer league. And so I think Suggs's assist numbers during summer league were a lot lower than what he actually, actually deserved and the kind of passes he actually deserved. So for him, you know, again, and I think this is the case for most rookies for him, I think it's about making simple plays. It's about, 
kind of doing the right thing, kind of doing the right things, um, playing within yourself, playing within the team system and doing what's being asked of you uh, and the results will come. And, and, and I think Suggs is passing. I think it's, I think it is a real big key. I think we will, I think the magic will be able to run him at point. I don't think they'll run him as a full-time point guard. You know, I think he'll play alongside Fultz a lot. I think he'll play alongside uh, Cole Anthony a little bit. Um, I don't think, I, I, you know, he might well be the starting point guard on opening night. Who knows? Um, but I, I think that the magic are going to kind of ease him into those responsibilities, but I think he is more than capable of handling them and, and, and figure. And again, like I said, I think the big thing this season for him is figuring out when does he need to take over games? How can he take over games? Um, and, and when does he need to take, uh, keep others involved? Because honestly, like I think what's, what was interesting about watching Suggs really for the first time in summer league was I felt like his default was to get others involved. He wanted to get others involved before he got himself involved. Um, and I think finding that balance, and that's a trick for all burgeoning stars, finding that balance, I think, is going to be the biggest key for him uh, moving forward. Yeah, and uh, the Summer League was really exciting. I, I thought at times he was a little too aggressive offensively, but, you know, a lot of the times you're playing with some pretty random people. He had, of course, you know, probably three or four guys he's going to be playing with in the regular season. For the most part, the coach want to see and explore what he can do offensively. But the, the, the really cool thing, I think, about the team, especially if he doesn't play with Cole Anthony in the lineup a lot, is that both of those guys are really good at you know one on one? So if they do get switched on bigger defenders, Jalen Suggs was sick at doing that at the top of the key. Like if he wasn't breaking them down and scoring himself, he did find some open teammates. One of the best highlights of, I think of the summer league for him was when he did exactly that and he found RJ Hampton for the corner three. I mean that's just something they didn't do basically at all last year. Yeah, and and I think and I think you know I, there's a reason we're all really really excited about Jalen Suggs. The Magic have not had a guard of this of this caliber in a very, very long time. I mean, you could argue maybe Victor Oladipo, um, but it, uh, even that feels like a long time ago. The magic have not had a scoring initiator of this caliber and this talent in a very, very long time. Um, let's go, let's close the show, the show out with some questions. We've had a couple comments here. Uh, Michael Mancini uh, asking a little bit about the guard rotation. He asks, Hey y'all uh, with the team being so guard heavy, who do you see probably getting the short end of the stick or perhaps even possibly getting traded? Do you think, all, all everyone gets an equal chance. Um, I, I've I've had my thoughts on this for a while. Um, I don't think the Magic are going to trade any of their young, their young players. Certainly a chance that Gary Harris or Terrence Ross are gone at the deadline. Um, but how do you see this guard rotation shaking out? Because I do think it is one of the legitimate questions um, of this of this off of the season so far. Well, for sure, Jalen Suggs is not going to get the short end of the yeah, stick. No, sure. that, <laughs> that we know for sure. So that one we can we can eliminate. Uh, Gary Harris is obviously the odd one out as soon as like the first month's up and everybody's healthy. So I think he's probably the first to go or, you know, whatever the case may be, they can probably flip him for something decent. He's a, he struggled. Like he, at one point averaged like 18 points a game, 15 points a game, and he just hasn't been able to get back there, but he's still great on defense. So that was really important. And certainly I think, you know, the, <laughs> the Clippers traded a whole bunch of assets to get Eric Bledsoe. So I think Gary Harris is pretty much on the same level as him. Uh, you know, Markel Fultz to me is kind of the one that we're going to have to wait and see. Like the onus is on him. If he plays really well, you know, with Suggs, with whoever the case may be, who they end up pairing him with. Okay. I think that's fine. If he struggles and they're, I just think they're going to center the team around him as much as they may have thought, you know, they thought they're getting Scotty Barnes. Let's be honest. Like that was totally their plan. The draft, at least in my opinion, when it wasn't there, they said, all right, well, we got to take this player available. And that's exactly what they did. So, you know, your focus of your team can change in an instant. And, you know, the rebuilding project with Markel Fultz certainly is not off. They haven't called it off, but if it's not working out so far, to me, he's the guy to focus in on as maybe, uh, I think someone might be interested in taking him and putting him in a different situation. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think they're going to get Fultz every opportunity to get back on the court, um, and I think they'll they'll see it. I, I do kind of think that the odd men out are going to, you know, it, it, I think RJ Hampton's going to be a little bit uncomfortable at at points this season. I think he's going to have to play a lot of three. Um, you know, Gary Harris might slide over to the three two, but uh, Gary Harris is going to play early in the season. Um, you know, I, at least to showcase him, they need the veteran presence out there. Um, he, he's got to prove he's healthy, obviously, to to be part of the long term future. Um, but but even then, th- th- he might still be a too valuable of a trade trade asset to to, to pass up there. Um, I, I do get this. I do get the feeling that Hampton is the most raw of all the players. Um, his skills the least defined. Um, so I do think that he might be the guy that's out of the rotation uh, at times. I think the Magic will still find ways to get him involved and get him in. Obviously, there's injuries right now to Markel Fultz and Jonathan Isaac. So he's got, someone's going to have to fill those minutes at the three, and it can't just be Franz Wagner. Um, Jumo Kiki's also a little a little bit injured. So there's going to be some platooning at the three. But when everyone's healthy, um, I do think that Hampton right now, his skills are the least defined. And so I would I would put him as the guy that's probably – on the outside of a normal kind of 10, nine or 10 man rotation. That doesn't mean I don't like him. That doesn't mean I don't think he's a good player or a player. The magic should continue to develop, but as things stand, if the team is trying to trying to win basketball games, I think he might be there. But then again, these guys make big improvements. Hampton's very, very talented. I'm not, I wouldn't put anything in stone um, quite yet. Um, Our guy Skizzy is back to ask, um, how do you guys feel about a starting five of Kel, Suggs, J.I., W.C.J., and Mo? The spacing would be terrible, but it's going to be a tough out. Um, I do think the Magic will experiment with Wendell Carter and Mo Bamba together, but I'm not a fan of this lineup as as a starting five. I, I, I do think that, A, Isaac is probably best as a four, I think, especially coming off knee surgery. Um, he needs to play slower, slower players. Um, but I do think we will see WCJ and Mo on the court at some point together. I do think that's something that the Magic want to do. What, what do you What do you think about that potential lineup? That, that, that's just really bad spacing. I, I'm not huge on Wendell Carter, you know, playing the four. I mean, I, I think it could be interesting, especially you know, Mo certainly tried to extend his range a little bit later in the season. I think back to that Philadelphia game, I think he had like three threes and couldn't miss. Uh, so if the, if he can do more of that, I think that's more of a possibility. But you got to be able to shoot, I would say, roughly 35% from, you know, the three-point range for any given lineup. But I don't think that lineup can achieve that, which would be yeah. a real issue for them. No, uh, you know, like we said, pace, space in the past. You got to actually be able to space the floor a little bit. Um, and and then, and I think that's going to be a huge challenge for the Magic throughout the years. They, they just, they don't have a ton of shooting yet. They don't have a ton of shooters quite yet. And, and that's that's still going to be something that, that they're going to struggle with offensively. It's going to hold the offense back a little bit that they, you know, Maybe Jonathan Isaac has improved his shooting. Maybe Marco Fultz's three-point shot is a lot better than, than we know right now. Maybe Garris, Gary Harris gets back to his 2018 levels where he's shooting 37, 38% on good volume. Um, you know, maybe Terrence Ross has a little bit of bounce back year. Maybe Cole Anthony's a little bit more efficient in his second year as a three as a three-point shooter. Maybe Suggs is a knockdown three-point shooter. There's, there's potential there. Don't get me wrong. Um, but you know, I say this all the time. Three-point shooting is less about percentages and more about perception. Terrence Ross is a 31, 32% three-point shooter last year. He's in the upper upper quarter of the league in terms of gravity. Like de- defenses do not leave him. Um, right now, defenses are going to be very happy to let Jonathan Isaac shoot as many threes as he wants. They're going to be happy to they'll they'll they'll, they'll stick to Jalen Suggs a little bit, but he's going to have to prove that he can hit threes. Cole Anthony is going to have to prove that he can hit threes. Like you know, no one's going to ignore those guys completely. Um, but they got to prove themselves if they want the attention that three-point shooting is supposed to give give a team. Um, Spencer, I want to thank you for coming on the show uh, and and help and helping answer some of these questions about how we think the Magic are going to play. 
Um, where can people find you if they want to interact with you further? Yeah, so uh, Twitter at Spencer the Wiz is the best place. Uh, you can follow me on my YouTube channels, delivering sports for sports content, obviously. And also, I have my other YouTube channel, Blue Milk Boys Gaming. If you like uh, like video games and pop culture, all that kind of stuff, I do that too. We do, we do love video games and pop culture here. I'm actually about to go back and play NBA 2K tw- 2K22 here in a moment. Um, uh, uh, you know, I'm starting my my GM. I'm gonna I'm gonna build a magic better than Jeff Altman ever could. Um, but uh, uh, I want to thank Spencer for coming on the show. You can of course follow me on Twitter at Philip R underscore OMD. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Magic. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Himalaya, Google Play, Spotify, Odyssey, and all the fun places. You can find podcasts. You can find podcasts. You can also subscribe to us on YouTube where we deliver the show every single day as well as do live YouTube shows just like this one. Hopefully we'll get a lot more people participating once the season gets going. We'll we'll definitely be answering questions and planning on potentially doing uh, some pregame, maybe some postgame shows as well as we get into the regular season and the preseason here coming up. Um, Spencer, I want to thank you so much for joining me, joining us on the show today. Uh, for Spencer Ostrovsky, Spencer the Wiz, I'm Philip Rossman Reich. We'll see you all again for another episode next time for another episode of Locked On Now. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.